Greetings, super friends. Welcome to Superman and Lois and Pals. I'm Henry Bernstein, and alongside me is my favorite super pal, Professor Sam Brody. Hello, Sam. Welcome back. Welcome back, Henry. Thanks. So I saw that we have a date for my Adventures with Superman cartoon, mm -hmm. July 6th. They made a like a second teaser, which sort of shows a little more. Seems like it's Lois and some interns. It sounds really fun. It looks really fun. I just, I'm not into that that animation style. So I'm wondering if it will catch my attention. I'll certainly give it those first two episodes a shot. Oh, you're going to watch all of it. Come on. You're going to continually watch it. But do you think I, I, but I mean, I wonder, you know, if I'm going to like it, you know, or will right, I? Right, sure. Of course. Um, you know, it's hard to say. I didn't watch every Batman show, for example. Like, right. I, I didn't watch Beware the Batman. Right. I didn't watch that one that was just called The Batman. What about Brave and the Bold? I did watch Brave and the Bold. I yeah, love that show. That was good. A lot of good um, Golden Age stuff in that one. But what, did you watch, like, in recent years, like, Justice League action? You know, those, like, 15-minute? No, Yeah, me neither. Me neither. So, but I do think I would watch a Superman solo show. Right. Like, I would watch any one that they put out. So right. I feel like if I would, you would. Yeah. I think it said uh, it's going to be on Adult Swim, which again is weird, but strange uh, choice. Strange choice. It seems like it's a kid show, but okay. And then on the next day on Max or something, so that's kind of that's kind of easily accessible. I like that. I in another era of my life when I used to read the paper copy of Entertainment Weekly every week, I would probably have known. May its memory be a blessing. It's still around online, right? But it's yeah. not the same, and I don't read it anymore um, because of that. Um, but uh, I would probably have known a lot more about the show from Inception to Greenlight to... Right. And I would know a lot more about what to expect. And instead, I feel very, like, out of the loop. Like... yeah. People who I'm telling Superman and Lois exists when I talk to them, you know, like, right. oh, there's a Superman show right today. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, man. Um, that's how I feel a little bit about this show. Um, although, obviously, we do know about it before it's airing. So it's not quite that bad. But yeah, so I'm looking forward to it. July 6th. Maybe we'll uh, we'll do a review of the first episode or as a bonus thing. Um, that would be cool. I would support that. Great. Great. All right. Well, in the meantime, uh, it's been a minute, but let's talk about Superman and Lois, Season 3, Episode 10, Collision Course. This was directed by Elaine Mangian. hope I pronounced that correctly. Written by Max Cunningham and Max Kronick. The IMDb and Apple TV recap is Lois interviews Pia in the hope of unearthing the truth about an old case. Clark struggles to spend quality time with the boys. Jonathan and Jordan find themselves at a party where tensions between Sarah and Jordan come to a head. So my number one headline from this is Clark Kent is a wrestling fan. I knew it. I knew he was a big wrestling fan. I just in my heart of hearts knew that, that Clark Kent would be the guy that I could call up on Tuesday and be like, did you see Monday Night Raw last night? <laughs> or, or like I'd go over to, to the farm to watch the pay-per-view with him. I knew it. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense that he would be a wrestling fan because he thinks that that costume is a normal thing to wear. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> the Circus Strongman. Yes. Right. Yeah. So many times. Well, the, the Circus Strongman was like the 1938 
version of you know the ultimate warrior right exactly exactly that's actually a very good analogy like skilled at sort of one particular thing but not skilled at anything else and in his underpants mm-hmm. yeah so that that made me so happy and i love that there there seemed to be built-in history that clark's been taking the boys to whatever they called it smackdown their version of smackdown for years and then, like mm-hmm. i got tickets and also dick move by the boys i know they're teenagers but like clark bought the tickets like you know i uh, they could they could argue that they didn't ask for it you know true, he didn't true. ask them before he bought them true yeah he did get a little excited and then a little did overreact a little later and uh, i thought jonathan was right that he basically yeah. was he was taking them for granted a little bit in the sense that he was like oh i'm free now so right. you have to be free too right exactly he's like look i'm not saving the world right now yeah i, I was totally with jonathan um and i thought clark was being like clark's going through some some stuff this season he's had a lot of feelings and he is entitled to his his feelings but certainly yeah getting mad at the boys um for not wanting to go to something without asking is not right but i did kind of feel like he did buy the tickets anyway the the headline again of course clark's a wrestling fan so did you when you saw that were you like oh henry's gonna love this (laughs) (laughs) actually i didn't think of that i should have yeah and i i love that um jonathan had a great uh burn on jordan while they're they're playing video games he goes your d is weaker than you without superpowers <laughs> and, and then jordan goes single player i guess <laughs> yeah i didn't understand what that meant what does that mean oh okay i'm happy to explain uh your d is your defense so they were playing uh, okay they're playing football and i did not jonathan- i was like i know this doesn't mean one certain thing that it could mean but what is the other thing it could mean and i had no idea yeah d for defense they were playing madden and jonathan scored a touchdown on jordan and then so he said your d is weaker than you without superpowers Mm -hmm. and then when he walked away jordan's like single player i guess which i thought was really really just cute cute little move um okay the other thing that was a big headline for me came right at the top of the episode where kyle's kind of hanging around the Smallville paper and he said and, and you know because Chrissy's freaking out of what she's going to put in the paper and Kyle because she doesn't have enough and Kyle says can't you just use some AP stuff and mm-hmm. I thought like that's what Sam's been saying for three seasons that that's what small town papers is you literally said it multiple times I did say it multiple times I was very pleased with that bit right. I was also a little I was a little surprised that Kyle was the one who said it though like (laughs) how does he know about the IAP yeah I mean he could just be a voracious reader of the newspaper but like still like the fact that he calls it the AP and um (laughs) I don't know like I was an editor of a newspaper in college so like I feel like I was not you know it was just a few years and it was a college newspaper but a lot of the people that work for the college newspaper really want to go into journalism, you know? So they all like are kind of cosplaying a little bit and they like talk, the talk a little bit. And I wasn't Industry really, lingo. Yeah. And I, I wasn't really one of those people. Like I applied to Columbia journalism and then people convinced me that I didn't need to pay the ridiculous amount of money. Like you can just try to start somewhere. You don't actually need the journalism degree, the credential, but anyway, I felt like I I at least had some kind of excuse for like talking that way, but like Kyle 
doesn't really <laughs> so it would have made more sense if it was a, a, a chrissy line and she right. was just like oh i don't want to like just fill it paper up with ap stuff and then right. he could have said what what are you talking about well i sort of imagine that like that happened in the kitchen one morning when she was stressing mm. over a different issue uh, but you're right i mean it, that, that, that's like, a good it, explanation actually if it's um pillow talk about you know exactly stuff yeah. from their relationship that we just haven't been privy to but like it, it shows that they have conversations i actually like that and i'm now okay with it great oh good i'm so glad i could solve that that makes me happy a little role reversal there uh yeah i can imagine them like you know in bed on their phones or computers or just talking about the day and be like oh that jonathan is such an idiot teen over at the station i think there's a you know whatever and then she's like oh i know and I, there's nothing going on around here i will you know i need to mm-hmm. fill stuff with the ap what's the ap that is right 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 no that makes perfect sense i'm very satisfied with that explanation great then we'll go with it yeah um but speaking of small towns and small town papers, I don't get if this show is supposed to show what happens in small towns. I don't think I get small towns because I mean, and I know I grew up in a big city and went to high school in the city. But how can teenagers teenagers just have a kegger in broad de- daylight in a public place? Like, is that something you've observed living a short time living in a small town or did that like um it seemed like a huge kegger and they didn't say it was like the ku kegger you know uh, frat kegger it was like a high school party didn't high schoolers have parties in the city where you grew up yeah but not in broad day- daylight in a public place with alcohol oh because in my high school they used to sit on the steps outside of my high school and drink. Oh, okay. All right. So, <laughs> so then it's not a small town thing. It's just, a... I mean, it wasn't like they were, they wouldn't be like blasting music and like dancing. They would just be like, basically my, my, you had my school building, you had a courtyard and then you had like a bunch of steps that would like lead up to a kind of exit or if you were coming from the street and entrance um, and they would just sit on, is this on the Upper West Side? On the Upper East Side. Upper East Side. Where? And what? What was the name of your school? It was Hunter Hunter College uh, High School. Hunter and and where? They, where on the East Side? Um, it's on Ninety Fourth and Madison. I mean, okay. if you've ever been there, you would remember it because it looks like a red brick castle. Yeah, um, I think I know where that is. Yeah. That and is. so basically, um, people would sit on the steps and they would just like have their alcohol and paper bags really and, uh they would okay. just sit there and drink i'm gonna see if i can find a picture and show you online but like it's not obviously this is an audio auditory medium so yeah that's I, I won't bother with it but anyway i didn't find that that strange i mean since i've lived in um, a mid-sized town here i obviously haven't had the chance to observe any high school keggers but um one thing that i will say um, is that it is not unusual to go to like there are like so many parks that are just in random places that you have to drive to that um you could um just like go to one that was empty here look um that's what i'm talking about i i know exactly what that building is that was your high school yeah cool um so you see these steps right yeah like that's where they would sit and like what was funny would be when um, teachers would be leaving, like getting off work, like people, you know, yeah. school is over at like 315. And so people would be sitting there 330, 430, 
Like teachers would be leaving at like five, and, and, and they'd like, be drinking. They would be like so most openly they would be smoking cigarettes, which like the teachers would just shake their head, you know. But like sometimes they would like have alcohol and they would like keep it in their backpacks and like take a swig and put it back in their backpack. Yeah. Well, and I, so I don't know if your mom li- listens to this podcast, so I don't want to get you in trouble, Sam. But were you one of those teenagers? I was Wait. not a I was not a drinker in high school. Uh, no. Uh, wow. So okay, so that's interesting. So I think what I learned from this is that it's not something that is uh specific to a small town that it just depends on where you are where you from you're from high schoolers might be drinking in public the difference is actually the thing that makes it much worse that they did cover is that in small towns presumably you drove to wherever you are right and not just presumably like literally in this episode right so you know in in new york city you just go home by train and so drunk people pretty much just as well as sober people can like put a token back then it was a token uh in the subway and and uh you know get on the train and go home but right yeah fascinating oh Mm -hmm. well thank you for uh, what a good little lesson it was interesting how casually you know it's like 15 or 20 years ago maybe before before dawson's creek i don't know like you would have had like some agonizing about the very fact of the drinking right you know they well they did like, that earlier in the season already they've like now the kid or earlier in, in the show like now these kids just go to these parties but remember when old jordan jonathan was remember he had a whole thing last season or the season before with drinking i'm not remembering it well they've already established that these kids had their like moment of truth with it now they just do it i guess but (laughs) i mean well i you know sam it's funny you mentioned that like i don't know um maybe it's just because i'm a dad now and i'm in total square and i don't like seeing underage drinking on tv i think that it's actually and shown i know that something terrible happened later to kind of teach us a lesson lesson but the way they portray it on tv it's cool it seems cool and i don't know i just kind of feel like it's irresponsible of a Superman show to show that it's cool that like that kids look cool when they're drinking in high school, like when they're underage, this is a show that people watch with their kids. So I don't know. I I mean, maybe that, maybe that's why maybe that then they have a conversation, but the, the impact, although like the the impact of the crash on TV was quite graphic and scary. Um, it didn't seem like the ultimate consequence to if they were trying to teach us a lesson. I just, I don't know. Am I like a total square about this? Like it doesn't bother me in movies, but like for some reason on TV, it does. I am. Okay, fine. (laughs) My position on it is that the teenagers, when they're not with their parents are watching euphoria. So right. Like, Oh, I have a problem with that too, but at least this is, this is not the show that's going to correct them. Yeah. I guess that's the, 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 but I'm not even uh, talking the opposite about, approach would backfire. I'm not like, even talking about teenagers. I'm talking about younger kids mm. watching it and seeing that and thinking that when they're in high school, it's going to be cool to drink and maybe do something dangerous. And like, you know, maybe it's just because I'm a former teacher and a parent, but I don't know. It just I don't like seeing it on a on a show that kids watch. I don't think they made it seem especially cool. Okay. I don't think there was anything particularly glamorous or cool that happened at the party. 
no there wasn't anything glamorous but it just kind of seemed like a cool thing to do like go out and do wherever the hell they were and drink <laughs> i guess it's just like i mean i would rather go to wrestling than that that sounds like torture but <laughs> like that sounds awful <laughs> i think that most i think that they're the portrayal of the teenagers choosing to do that is pretty accurate to what most teenagers would choose to do and you know I'll, I'll go back to my contrast with euphoria like they could have been doing hard drugs at this party like right. Right. that's also something that did happen in my high school so you know they're just standing around having beer it's really like fairly tame and the beer was the cause of the big problems that they discussed afterwards so right to me right. they were doing the most sort of the least didactic version of the thing you wanted okay fine uh let's move on <laughs> um I thought I did not like that governor. Is is so the governor that was that that Lana was following around like a little mm-hmm. puppy? I thought that um, she was modeled on the last two Democratic governors of Kansas. Oh, interesting. Same I mean, more, Sam. So Kansas has a tendency to elect Democrats at the statewide level, but never at the federal level. And at the state level, at least since for the last 15 or 20 years, uh, the Democratic governors have been women. So right now, Laura Kelly and before her, Kathleen Sebelius. And I don't know. I thought she was a pretty regular portrayal of a state level politician. Uh, I don't think she was particularly modeled on either Laura Kelly or Kathleen Sebelius, but like um, if if they went to the like Kansas Wikipedia page and looked at the last five governors, um, that is a reasonable composite. Yeah. Sort of an avatar for a a stand-in for one of them. Yeah. Yeah. But she was, she was characterized as someone we weren't supposed to like, right? I think I think she was characterized, right. I don't think she was supposed to be super likable. I think that there was an interesting moment where she was like trying to bond with Lana about being a badass single mom. And the show decided to present that sort of from the point of view of Chrissy. Right. Which was interesting. Right. What Um, did you think about, about that? To me, it seemed very like that was something that I thought of as like something that a female democratic politician would say <laughs> i don't know they're they're like very into this sort of like um kind of um empowerment type right. right rhetoric about how it's so great to be a woman politician so i thought that was very realistic and um something that somebody would really say and that if the show had not chosen to cut to chrissy as somebody who was like being harmed by that rhetoric in that moment um it would have been a very different moment maybe lana would have even kind of like laughed with her a little more but lana clearly was trying to restrain her reaction out of consideration for chrissy's presence which was like very considerate of her but they never closed the loop on it no she also could have she also didn't go out of her way to like 
object or deny right. the thing what the governor was she wasn't like oh no actually uh, that's not how it was or anything right. like that so you know that kind of was probably kind of painful for chrissy so that you're right they didn't go back to it maybe they will in the next one yeah it's just also it was just, i don't know i just felt like it was also kind of lame like the way lana was like chasing her around like a little puppy like i kind of thought it was cool at the beginning when lana basically implied that maybe there are other uh, offices she might want to hold in the future, which is kind of mirrors the comics a little bit with Pete Ross being a Senator. And then I think at a certain point, Lana takes over his. Yeah. That did happen. His position because he got assassinated, right? I think so. I mean, he was Luther's, he was Luther's vice president when Luther was president, Mm -hmm. which was, I remember very dramatic. And yeah, I think he died. Got to say, and Lana took over his seat. Um, so anyway, so I thought that was kind of cool. But then it just kind of went to Lana being like, "Please like me, please, please like me, please." Like yeah, but me. Henry, yeah. that's exactly what people who want higher office do. Right, right. They go I to the it. people I who know. already have higher office and they suck up to them. Yeah, right, right. Uh, I know. So I, just... I thought that whole thing was done quite realistically. It was just a little bit maybe disappointing if you wanted something else from Lana. But to me, if they want to make her a character who is seeking higher office, then the idea that she would like Politic. curry favor with <laughs> an existing higher office holder made perfect sense to me. Yeah. Now, if that if the governor had been like a man who had different politics from her who was like openly antagonistic to her. Like basically George, and, the mayor. Right, right. Yeah. And then and she still curried favor with him. That would have been very out of character. Right. But I think the yeah. fact that the governor, at least on paper, was somebody who could be expected to be sort of sympathetic to her. Right. Made it make sense that she would like want to look good, want to make a good impression. This is a town in there in that governor's state that had a uh army of supervillains attack them why is she just visiting now well <laughs> shouldn't she have been there because, during the relief effort when they were out in tents like because now is when they want to introduce this plot <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> you're right it would have made a lot of sense for her to show up in season one right right uh, and then yeah. in season two i guess it was a sort of a national uh or a global event so smallville not necessarily so particularly important but right there are a couple quotes from the episode that i absolutely loved for two different reasons um well sort of the same reason but they're two different things so the first one is pia says about lex luther he had lex luther has an aura like the devil the only man that scares me and the way she delivered that though it was just so good it was I just love that kind of thing where Lex Luthor is just pure evil and it's scared. And Pete, what I, my point is, is that Pia is one of the scariest new villains I've seen in Superman stuff in a long time. Like, and a lot of these shows, even the classic villains that they run through all seem like super villains of the week. And this is the first time a new ish. I mean, I knew the comic version of Automatopia, but it's still a pretty obscure villain this is the first time I've seen like a really solid not main villain on TV. So to, for her to describe Luther in that way, I really enjoyed that. And then the other thing I really enjoyed was um, Clark saying, 
to, to Lois, what? I loved hanging out with my mom when I was their age. And Lois's response, that's one of that, the main reasons yeah. I love you. Yeah. That that was just, I love the, when these shows do the things that make me say, ah, you get it. Mm-hmm. Both yeah. of those those things are so true that, of course, Clark loved hanging out with Ma. And of course, Lois loves him for that. I think they did that, like the, the that and the wrestling ticket thing, both like do something very interesting, which I think is a very endearing twist on the arc of Clark Kent representation. So like we talked before about the shift in the burn era to having a Clark Kent who is more assertive and confident um, and someone who would, for example, go to the gym or play sports and make sense as having like a developed physique and so on. But, and they, and then they represented that in Lois and Clark. Right. But what they've done now is they've in a way circled back to the Reeve and, and the golden and silver age Clark Kent, except instead of acting like he's a nerd, he just actually is one. Right, right. Like, or maybe he's more of a dork than a nerd. He, right? Like yeah. he's like a little bit of a dork. He's just yeah. like a he's like a he's cute. Really he's like good, a sweet dorky sweet guy. person, right? Like, and he doesn't have like edge, right? And like that's I think a good version of that character. Yep. It, it's real it's mm-hmm. I've been, I've heard a lot of people a lot of Superman expert experts say that like this is one of this is probably the most um comic accurate depiction of Clark Kent um you know maybe ever mm-hmm. I mean from let's say 1986 and on which is already how long ago 40 years ago almost 40 years ago right mm-hmm. so um yeah uh the last thing we sort of end the episode a little bit on a cliffhanger with Clark sort of revealing Kyle confronting Clark and Clark revealing his secret. And he did for sort of the second or third, maybe third time this season, he, he, his, um he displays his power in, with sort of using resistance. Remember he did that to Candace's dad mm-hmm. in the diner. This is different, obviously, because Kyle, he doesn't want to hurt Kyle and not that he wanted to hurt, Candace's dad but like he mm-hmm. I thought that was a very creative way of showing Superman using his powers in a reveal because he mm-hmm. knew what he was doing he was like okay I don't have time to think deal with this now Kyle's a good enough person that he can just know and then I'll deal with that later mm-hmm. so um I I, I I thought that was well done I thought that was well done too although I will say one kind of complaint here which is that I would have in in a Silver Age comic, right? Yeah, there would have been an extremely complicated maneuver that Clark did to make Kyle not know in that moment, right? right. And it felt a little bit like of a cop out to me to just be like, "Oh, I'm out of time." Okay, you get to now. Right. Like, I would have maybe enjoyed it if they had tried to think of some kind of clever distraction Uh that would have allowed him to get away and not reveal the truth in that moment because Uh like the circle is getting kind of big yeah the circle (laughs) is getting kind of big that's when you get into cw stuff territory i mean i've talked about this a million times i hate on on these shows how everyone knows the secret because all it just means is that 
another degree of person would know the secret then. Mm-hmm. It like always screws me up when I start thinking about this and go down this rabbit hole. It's even in comics. Like the idea that the entire Teen Titans know that Dick Grayson, that Nightwing is Dick Grayson means that they know Nightwing is Robin, uh, Dick Grayson is Robin, which means that they all know that Bruce Wayne is Batman. And if that many people know that Bruce Wayne is Batman, there has to be a problem. So, you know, that, that sort of, so even comics has that issue, but yeah, I, I, I'm not loving the, uh, the wide net of people that web of people that know, but for the purpose of this story, it was, it was fine mm-hmm. the way in which it was revealed for me. And I did like that moment that you were talking about. It was a well done little piece of, um, physical acting from, you know, those guys, like right. the way that he charged at him and then just got like pushed back lightly. Like that was very well done. Yeah, it was it was good. It was it was. I mean, I, I meant the last note I had was great episode. Like, mm-hmm. I don't, you know, didn't know much more to more to say. Do you have anything else about this one? Not about episode ten. All right, then we'll uh, we'll uh, we'll say goodbye for that one. Thanks, Sam. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening. Our theme was composed and performed by Sam Bernstein. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss another thrilling adventure of Superman and Lois and Pals. Thank you.